welcome to this episode of Preach to Teach. These episodes happen live on Zoom every third Wednesday of the month, and you can stream it live on YouTube or our podcast channel. To get more information, send an email to coast the number two and coast dot studio at stirredup.com. If you'd like your sermon or message presented on our page, let us know that in the email. All right, let's get into God's word with no more hesitation. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Preach to Teach, session number two. This one is called Let's Stay Together, all about marriage. Dr. Lehman Newtall from Thy World Worship Center, located in Plymouth, Minnesota, has been married to his beautiful bride for almost 50 years. <laughs> My God, that's a blessing in itself. We can stop talking right now. <laughs> so I'll turn it over to Bishop Newtall and um, take it away, Bishop. Amen. Well, God bless you, Minister Miller. Praise God. Amen. I Let me, I want to just th- thank you again for, for allowing me to be a part of this this podcast, it's an honor and privilege to be joining you again, you in the audience, listening audience, and God bless everybody that's listening and that's going to be tuning in. I pray the Lord will have something special for them, and I pray that they will not be disappointed. Amen. All right. Our focus is on marriages today. Let's stay together. Amen. Let's stay together. That's our theme today. Focusing on marriage. And of course, my my Conrad, Minister Miller, he's he's been married for quite a few years also. And I thank God for him and his family, his wife. Man, and those of you who are married or planning on getting married and listening to us, pray God have a word for you. Amen. So I'm excited. So let me get before we get started. Let me say this. Let me say this. I, uh, now, when I wrote down the years I've been married, I may have got a little confused. And I want to kind of straighten out some things. Me and my wife have been together for 49 years. All right. Five of those years, we we were dating. All right. We met when we were 14 years old, high school sweethearts, 49 years ago. And we've been together ever since. Amen. So forgive me if I was if I uh, made it seem like I was married almost 50 years. But I, when you get past 40, it's long. It's a long time anyway. So so it's been 44 years, but we've been dating, dated for five years. We've been together for 49 years. God is truly blessed us and I I pray that those that plan on getting married make sure you date first amen make sure you date just get to know each other yes get to know one another and so Minister Miller you invited me back tonight and I just want to begin by uh, saying that but like you said marriage is it's not easy. Marriage is tough. And uh, myself being a senior pastor and, and also a marriage counselor, and 
somebody asked me what what was what I was a doctor. What is, why are you a doctor? Are you a medical doctor? No, I'm a spiritual doctor. I I have a doctorate and and then uh, theology and and pastoral care. I also have a doctorate in clinical counseling. I'm a registered clinical therapist. And so as a pastor, we have people that come in our church that want to be married. They want to get married, ready to tie the knot. And one of the prerequisites that I have at our ministry, Thy Word Worship Center, is that I would marry no one unless they have premarital counseling first. And there are couples that leave and get upset and change their mind, let somebody else go somewhere else and get married somewhere else. And, and that's that's fine with me because we offer the six weeks of premarital counseling. If you can't wait six weeks, what's the rush? I mean, if you plan on being with this person for the rest of your life, I say when I talk to these couples, I tell them that the two most important decisions that you'll ever make as long as you live the first one is eternal life where will you spend the rest of your life when you pass from this life when you die where would you spend eternity that's the most important but the second most important decision that you ever make is the who you decide to live the rest of your life with on this earth in other words who you decide to marry because it can be a nightmare if you marry the wrong person. I've, I've had to counsel too many couples and it can be really rough. That's why it's good to date. It's good to date first. And, and another, another thing that I have in place that I, will, I won't marry a couple that's not up to fate. Won't do it. And I'll tell you why. Because today, I want to give you an audience, the listening audience, I want to give them seven, seven helpful tips from the Word of God on how to have a successful marriage. Yes. And so the reason I say that is because when you, when you go to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, they, they diagnose you when they give you a prognosis and they give you medicine. But when they come to me, I'm a clinical therapist. My prescription is going to come from the word of God. That's, that's what I'm going to prescribe. And so if, if, if a person is not of the faith, the Christian faith, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't like this medicine because they would not they don't understand. They, that's just not their cup of tea. And so there's little I can do for them. But if someone is serious about being married and it's, and they understand that the, the word of God says in Psalms chapter 127, verse 1, it says, unless the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And so the word of God said, if, if, if God is not building your, your marriage, if he's not centered, if you don't have a Christ set of marriage, you, 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 up, you got an uphill battle on your hand. So I want God to be in my marriage, and I, and I, and I pray that you do too. Because we give 
married couples, all kind of advice. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I looked up, I kind of did some research and found out that the number one cause for divorce in the United States, people might be shocked about this because most people think it's infidelity, but it's not. It's finances. It's finances. And when you have a problem with finances in the house, in marriage, there can be some confusion and some, some disappointment and then some anger. And that'll lead to some fighting. Now, here's one of the antidotes I give to couples that want to get married. I'll tell them this. I say, now, before you get married, because you're coming to me now and y'all in love, y'all excited and you're smiling. And I said, well, have you ever heard of the Geneva Convention? And sometimes they do, sometimes they've never heard of it. And I'll tell them that the Geneva Convention is, is where all the heads of countries meet in Geneva, Switzerland. And, and they meet and they convene around this big old table and they and they discuss all kinds of topics, all kinds of scenarios. And one of the scenarios that they discuss is war time. Yes. Yes. They talk about war. And they say, well, right now we're not at war with certain countries, but just in case we do go to war, these are some things that we cannot do. If we capture one of you, one of your soldiers and have them a prisoner of war, we can't mistreat them. We can't, there's some things that you can't do. And they and they they jot all these things down and they they sign it into an agreement. And this is what I tell couples to do. I tell you, you need to get a, a Geneva Convention. You need to get a fight plan. And they look at me like, well, we're we excited. We're not. I said, no, you, you're not fighting now. See, it's it's too late to try to get a plan once the bullets start flying. So you need to get the plan in place while you got peace going on. Because once the bullets start flying, once once the arguments start, and don't and I say, don't worry, you're not planning on fighting, but you you're planning for the fight because you're going to fight. You're going to disagree. You're going to argue. And one of the things that I've noticed that's really crushing marriages is communication or lack thereof. That's one of the number one things also. And see, one thing about when you start arguing, most couples will retreat and they won't talk and they won't acknowledge one another. They'll They'll, they'll just give each other the silent treatment. But my Bible tells me, and I'm glad I got saved and I gave the Lord my life because I wanted my marriage to be Christ-centered. And Christ-centered means he's in the middle of it. And when, when like when you go to court, if you when you take somebody to court, both parties think they're right. You don't go to court if you don't think you're right. If you want to sue somebody. So, but the judge is going to decide in his opinion, who's right and who's wrong. And after the judge make that decision, that's that's the end of it. And so here we got the word of God as the judge. If my wife thinks she's right and I think I'm right. I said, let's go see what the judge got to say. 
And I looked in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. I hope somebody writing these scriptures down. These are these are some antidotes I'm giving you right now. This, these are some tips that are, that'll get your marriage going and keep it going. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. And it says, be angry. It don't say don't get angry. It says, be angry, but do not sin. And don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27 says, neither give place to the devil. And I said, wait, say that again. She said, be angry. In other words, anger is not a sin. Anger is an emotion. Amen. If anger, if anger was a sin, then Jesus was a sinner because he got angry. Now, of course, you know he wasn't a sinner because anger is an emotion. But it's a secondary emotion. What kicks it all off is underneath the surface. He's a hurt of fear. And that'll bring anger to the top. And so my, the scripture just told me, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, I mean, sometimes it's, it gets dark at 4.30. My God. So if I have an argument with my wife at 4 o'clock, you mean I got to have it all solved by 4.30? No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying, don't let the sun go down because in Hebrew language, in Hebrew culture, a day was not 24 hours. A day was from sun up to sundown was a day. And so by 6 o'clock p.m., it was, a, it was a new day. So the word, in other words, the word of God was telling you to don't let the sun go down without you saying, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to table this right now and we're going to take this up tomorrow when our hair's cool. We're not going to do the silent treatment. I gave a couple not too long ago. Last year, I gave a young couple some marriage counseling, premarital counseling. They wanted to get married. They had been together for years, a long time, over 10 years. And I encouraged them to get married. I said, y'all, go on, do it right. You let, let, let God be in the middle of it. And you get the covenant. It, it, get God involved in your relationship. And she was, she was agreeing. But he was reluctant, but she gave him an ultimatum. And so he finally gave in. But I noticed something at the pre premarital counseling, how he he would he would seem like he knew he knew everything I was saying. And and he said, Yeah, I got it. I'm good. I understand. Yeah, I got it. I said, okay, but I need you to do this. I need you to get a fight plan. I need you to get some things in place just in case you fight. And one of the things that you should put in your fight plan. Is this now you need to agree now how long is it long a long enough time to be quiet one hour two hours and they agree well that think about three hours about three hours is good enough I said write that down and when y'all get up get all these things jotted down sign it agreed with it well this couple I'm ashamed to say well it's not my fault but it's, it's just like having an empty gun in one hand and, and some bullets in the other hand. There's nothing. There's no good until you put them together. Well, they had the advice. They had the counseling. They had the they had the things that they need needed to have a, have a good start for their marriage. But as soon as they get married, because I told them 
I said, listen, I don't care if you've been together for 10 years. You haven't been married for 10 years. See, once you get married, it's a whole different fight. It's a spiritual fight. And if you don't know how to fight, because the Bible talks about fighting a good fight. See, there's a good fight and there's a bad fight. This couple, they wrote everything down. And a week later, after I married them, after, after the ceremony, they went, went, spent thousands and thousands of dollars, went out of town, out the country, came back. Week later, they had an argument. She called me and told me, she said, Pastor, he's mad at me. I said, well, y'all gonna resolve that. Get this, you, know, that's, you know what y'all said in your, your agreement? She said, I'm sorry to say, but we ain't talked in 30 days. You just walk right past each other every morning. I said, 30 days. She said, 30 days. I said, well, see, you gotta, what good is a plan when you don't put it together? See, that's the, that the silent treatment. See, that's what I learned about me and my wife. That's one of the things that kept us going and keeps us going, that we decide to talk. We, we decide to talk and I just, I do more listening than I do talking. Because my Bible tells me in James chapter one, verse 19, you should write this down. It said to be swift to listen. Mm -hmm. Swift to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So I learned how to listen. See, listening is not easy, y'all. You got to learn how to listen. My scriptures tell my Bible, here's another antidote I'm giving you. And in and, and Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, it says that the life and death is in the power of the tongue. So I learned how to stop and listen, especially when I get mad and get angry. Because I learned and I read in chapter 18, also in chapter 18, verse 22 in Proverbs, it says, a man that finds a wife mm, Find finds a thing. good thing. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Find a good thing. And also, and after that, it said, and he finds favor. Oh, Lord. He finds favor with the Lord. I said, my God, I got to, I got to, listen, I got to watch how I talk to my wife because I got, I want, I want the favor in my life, on my family, in my marriage. And here's another one. First Peter chapter three, verse seven. And I didn't know this was in the script, in the Bible, but once I read this one, oh God, I really, I really woke up. It says, first Peter chapter three, verse seven. It says, likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, dwell with your wife, according to knowledge or understanding, giving her honor unto the wife and as being together, heirs together with grace, that your prayers not be hindered. I said, wait a minute. He said, yeah. You, he said, give honor your wife, live with her in an understanding way. Get the, get an understanding. It's not, it's not automatically to understand the opposite sex. You got to live with them in an understanding way. Get to know them. Listen to them. And if you want your prayers not to be hindered, treat them right. 
see that that will open my eyes see the word of, the word of god is full of advice to help you be successful in your marriage see and i know a lot of people they they grew up in households that with violence and anger and and all kind of abuse and it and they got a they got a rough start from the beginning because i i noticed something about young boys and i was a young boy at one time and Hey Amen. My, my, my parents have been married over 50 something years. They've both gone on to meet the Lord. But I've heard some things about boys when it comes down to their fathers. My father wasn't didn't tell me a lot of things, but he showed me a lot of things. But he, first of all, he told me, Well, keep some money in your pocket. I said, All right, I, I'll do that because my father kept a job. I learned how to keep a job. Get your car. Right? So I got me a car. I know how to do that. Keep food on the table. Keep a roof over your family head when you get married. I said, all right. Keep shoes and clothes on their back. And I do that. But one thing my father did not tell me was, don't, don't hit your wife. And don't you call out of her name. But guess what? I didn't hit, I, I, I haven't hit my wife. I've never hit my wife. I never called her out of her name. Why? Because I never seen my father do that. You see, boys mimic their father. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the smartest animal in the world, I did my research, the smartest animal in the world is a chimpanzee. And you ever heard of the term monkey see? Monkey do? That's what boys do. Boys do what their daddies do. They don't necessarily do what they say, but they do what they do. And, th and that was the blessing that I got early in my life, not seeing that kind of anger and abuse in my family. But there are some people who are not as fortunate as I was to not see that, and they seen it, and they got this anger. And they're out there now listening right now to me right now. And I'm telling you right now that God could fix that. The Holy Ghost can fix your, it can fix your life, it can fix your attitude, it can fix your problems if you give it to God. Amen. You gotta, you gotta give it to the Lord. And it's something about, see, I'm telling you, you need to get involved in the Word of God. If you want your marriage to last, you you gotta get Christ inside of it. Yes. I thank God that we was able to weather some storms. And yes, the storms are not going to stop coming. They'll they'll continue to come. But we got a plan in place. Come on, talk to me, somebody. We got a fight plan. We got a fight plan. And we, we understand. There's two. Communication is not just talking. It's listening. It's hearing what the person say. A lot of times you're doing a lot of talking, but you're not getting no understanding. You're not listening. So you got to learn to listen. There's some man out there that's going to hear this and they want to have the last word. And they're not going to, they're not going to give in because they feel like they wasn't wrong. But here's something that I learned how to implement in my marriage and it works every time. Sometimes I'll say, honey, I'm sorry. Just to break the ice. The silent treatment. I'm sorry. I was wrong. You know what she said to me? No, honey, I was wrong. You see how the psychology works? 
I'm like, I know it wasn't my fault, but I just said a theater. I don't want, I don't want, I see what this is. This is a trick. It's an assignment. It's an attack. And I should be fighting you. I should be fighting with you. And me and my wife learned to pray for each other. Not just for each other, but with each other. I'm talking about hold hands and hit our knees and go to heaven, go to God with our prayers. And let me tell you something. It's hard to pray for somebody that you mad at. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is. It is. See, but that, that God will break that spirit if you just grab that hand and hit your knees and, and start praying to God for that person. Don't talk about that person to God. Just ask God to help him. Help him, God. Help me. Help me, love. Deal with us, God. You see, the devil can't stand that. He, what he wants you to do is be quiet. Mm -hmm. He wants you to get to yourself. He wants you to start thinking about it over and over and over. Amen. Little things that did bother you that was little before you got married, the same thing can happen after you get married and it's magnified. It's all, it's big all of a sudden. That's a trick of the devil. That's a trick of the enemy. But you got to learn how to fight back. And that's what workshops are all about. We do premarital counseling. We do workshops. We do postmarital counseling. But most of the times I see that the people that do premarital counseling, most of them, I don't see them in postmarital counseling because they already didn't put together a plan. They got the finances written down. Who's going to take care of the finances? Who gonna, who's going to spend what? Who's going to pay the bills? Amen. Got a plan. So I encourage you couples out there Get a plan and don't and don't try to find somebody that's compatible here's the thing about being compatible if if i need a, a kidney transplant i can't just get any kidney i have to find a kidney that's just like the one that mine used to be just like it for it to be compatible that's why people wait years to be on the donors list but let me tell you something about men and women. And I know many of you might know this. But after when I study psychology and I study my, my field, that men and women are not compatible. Women's brains are smaller than men's. That men's hearts are bigger than women's. But their hearts pump faster, but ours pump harder. And, and our brains are wired different. Women are right brain creatures. Men are left brain creatures. What does that mean, Dr. Nuto? That means... Men think from the left side of their brain, which is logical, and women from the right, which is emotional. Amen. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it tells the man to do all kinds of things for his wife. Turn to that scripture, Ephesians chapter 5. And it, it blessed me. At first, I, could, I said, why is he telling the man to do all these things? For the woman, and all he told the woman was to respect her husband. He said, husbands, love your wives. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Love your wife, even as Christ loved the church. And then he told the wife to respect your husband. Why? Because men think from the left side. Things, everything about a man is about being respected. See, women love easily because they're right brain creatures. They're emotional creatures. They like to cultivate and nurture. But men, we have to learn how to love. 
So God told the man to learn. Learn how to love your wife. Women, learn how to respect your, your husband because that's what matters to him. What matters to him all the time don't matter to, to women. And so the, the, the brain is wired different. That's why we can't, we can't expect somebody to think like you think all the time. That's why it's good to date. That's why it's good to have a find a common ground. Amen. If both of y'all like, you find out if y'all like going to the movies together, y'all got something in common. Amen. If, if you find out you like to go dancing, I like to go dancing, we got something in common. So you have to find a common ground in marriage. You have to you have to find something that you like to do together and, and know that before you get married. Because if you get married and don't have anything in common, it's not going to last long. But that'll keep you. See, my wife became my best friend. She became my friend before she became my wife. And that's one thing that this culture is missing now, that they want to have kids, have sex, and then get married because that's what our parents want us to do. That's what the pastor said, do now. There's, there's some reasons why you shouldn't get married. And just because my pastor said get married is the wrong reason to get married. Or just because my parents put pressure on me to get married, that's the wrong reason to get married. Well, I don't have nowhere to live, but she got somewhere to live. That's the wrong reason. Well, she got some money and I, I ain't got none now and I'll get some, but that's the wrong reason. You better get married for love. You better get married because of this is the person I can see myself living with for the rest of my life. This is the person I will lay down my life for. This is the person. This is the person. You got to have that in your heart, in your spirit, because love is, is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. It's a, it's, it's a decision. It's the decision to do the right thing, even if it don't feel like it. Because you ain't gonna always feel in love. In fact, you ain't gonna always feel in light. Sometimes you'll get so mad at your wife, you, you, you just, you'll say all kinds of things under your skin. Hopefully you won't say it out loud. But that enemy will make you feel like, yeah, you can do better than this. Go somewhere else. Yeah, you don't deserve to get treated like that. That's the trick of the devil. What about when you fell in love? What about when you was happy together? What about the things that you celebrated together? All those things you'll quickly forget when you let anger fester in your life over a simple argument or, or a simple disagreement. Praise God. I looked at my word of God. I said, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that I'll be swift or quick to listen. Not just listen to her talk, but I'll listen to the word of God that I sowed into my heart. See, the word of God said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh yeah, I might feel like saying, I wanna lash out, I wanna say something, but I remember when God said, be quick to listen, be quiet. Be slow to speak, just be quiet, take your time. Remember what I told you. See, Jesus is my king. He's, a, he's our leader. And that's what makes our marriage work because even if I don't feel like doing something just because my leader said it, my God said it, that's what I got to do. Here's another scripture I want you to write down. My God, Ecclesiastics chapter four, verse 12. Oh Lord, this one right here. You can show up, take to the bank. 
It said a, a threefold cord. Mm -hmm. Threefold cord is not easily broken. What does that mean, Dr. Newton? What does that mean, God? A threefold cord. One cord, one strand is God. The other strand is the, the groom. And the other strand is the bride. And when they get all tangled together, oh yeah, oh yeah. Have you ever seen, I don't know about you, but I grew up in, and, and, and sometimes people can uh, try to learn how to braid their hair and they'll they'll twist it. They'll be twisting it. It'll be two, two strands and it look like it's braided, but it's not. Because after a while, it start coming loose. But if they got three strands and they matting that hair together, that, that hair is nice and tight and braided and you can sleep on it for days and days. And it may start coming unraveled. You know, the, the hair starts sticking up, but that braid is still tight. And that's how it is with the Lord. Once you get God in your marriage, when you get that covenant with God, a threefold cord is not easily broken. My God, you can you can stand the wiles of the devil, the tricks that he's gonna bring your way. He's gonna bring your, he's gonna bring them your way. But you gotta fight plan. Uh-huh. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know how to fight. And I'm not talking about with your hands. I'm talking about with your heart. You gotta learn how this is not overnight stuff. You gotta bring a brick every day. People don't fall out of love. They grow out of love. They stop trying. They stop breaking the brick. They stop building the house. They stop. That's what the enemy do. He wants you to stop. But you need to tell that devil, listen, you almost had me. Yeah, you almost had me. But I done messed around and tuned in to this podcast. And now I, 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 I see something that I didn't see before. Because I heard something that I didn't hear before. And I realized I've been, I've been so worried about things that I didn't have. I hadn't even been enjoying what I got. And that's what the devil wants you to think is, is greener on the other side. But I guarantee you, there's manure on that side too. And so it's best to try to clean up your own and start fixing what's right in your house and fixing what's wrong and stay around. Because God will bless you if you humble yourself. Say, honey, these six most powerful words that you can possibly say in your marriage, the six most powerful words that you can ever say to your spouse and here they are I am sorry I was wrong boy that may, that may sound simple but I've had couples sit in my office and refuse to humble themselves all they had to do was just say alright I'm sorry. I messed up. But they held on to that pride. Refused to humble themselves. But God said he'd resist the pride. He resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. That word grace means favor. Oh yeah. I don't know about you, but I want favor from the Lord. I don't, and I don't want my prayers hindered either. 
So I'm gonna treat my wife right. I'm not gonna try to get even. I'm just gonna try to get better. And I'm not gonna tell God to fix her. I'm gonna say, Lord, fix me. Make me the man you want me to be. Make me the husband that you want me to be. Cause I wanna be right in your sight. Cause you said, if I found my wife, I found a good thing. But I better treat her good. Amen. Praise God. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. I'm going to watch my mouth. This will get you to the end. This word of God. Trust me. It works. If you work it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Get your fight plan out there. Those that are listening to me now, get your fight plan. Write down some things that 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 that's not gonna be allowed when you start get once you get angry, angry with each other. You can't talk about my mama. You can't talk about my parents. Write that down. Don't be an anthropologist. What's that? Always digging up the past. Let the past die. Don't bring up stuff in this fight that we already thought about. That's over with. Don't bring up the past. Write that down. Put that in your Geneva Convention. You got to have something written down and, put, and swear before God, Lord, I'm going to stick to this even when I get mad. But one thing I'm going to make sure I do, I'm going to be James chapter 1 verse 19. I'm going to be swift. I like the way the word the word King James said swift. It didn't say quick. Other translations say quick. But if you do your definition, swift is different from quick. It's the Bible says be swift to listen. <laughs> oh yeah. Because the last thing you want to do is listen when somebody make you mad. But the word of God said, do it. Because I got a plan. And I'm going to work it out for your good. So I learned. I learned how to listen, y'all. One of the most dangerous things about pastors is when they learn how to listen. And people find out you that you know how to, that you learn, that you really listen. They'll flock around you. Because people in this society these days, ain't, that, ain't nobody got time to listen. They got their own problems. They don't want to hear nothing you have to say. They want to talk. But somebody find out that you will listen, brother, you will never be alone. Hallelujah. But I have to, I have to implement that in my marriage. I can't be a hypocrite and not practice what I'm preaching. I can't tell somebody else to do it and I don't do it. Charity starts at home. Amen. All right. So that number one cause that communication breakdown because of finances. Communication. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Keep the lines of communication open. Don't shut down. Hold on to God's unchanging hand and he'll make it. He'll make it right for you. And men, if you want your prayers, answer if you don't want to have your prayers hindered your prayers is contingent 
on how you treat your wife. Hallelujah. And wife, respect your husband. Hallelujah. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. I have a question about the um, verse people always revert to um, in Mark. I think it's chapter 9 about um, don't let nobody put us under. But it means divorce translated per se or let me rephrase allegedly that's what it means put asunder means it it means to separate it means to cut a cut break apart it's, it's referring to divorce so because we're no longer under the law of Moses people think because they don't get along they see somebody that may be more attractive or the grass is greener on the other side per se they can just give them a certificate of divorce and move on but that's not the way that God see it and I heard that when the grass is greener on the other side the water bill is also high it's also um, higher so <laughs> <laughs> yes that's right indeed it's always a catch 22 it, it, it just looks better amen no there's there's all kind of I did, I only read one in one scripture and that was in Matthew, Matthew chapter 19 talks about divorce I believe the same one you just referred to and but it was but Mark Mark is the one who wrote that and uh and that's in that scripture actually there was no out there was no out Jesus didn't give him an out of a certificate of divorce that's in Matthew and Mark is like you married, and that's it. And so, but but Matthew gave Matthew nineteen. God, Jesus gave he gave him an out. Let's let me read that. that just to be, I want to. I don't want to misquote it. And it came to pass, Matthew chapter nineteen. Mm -hmm. Verse three says the Pharisees also came unto him. They came unto Jesus, tempting him. And saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? In other words, is it, is it, is it lawful for me to divorce her for anything at all? For, for he, and he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which had made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. In other words, the two shall be one flesh. Verse 6, wherefore, there are no more two, but one flesh. And what therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder or let no man separate. See, you got to see what he said, what God is doing together. People ask certain people, who married you? They said, well, this, Pastor Lima Newtown married. I said, no, I didn't marry them. God married them. He put them together. I just did the ceremony. I just offici officiated the wedding. But when God put something together, let no man or woman separate it. Then he said unto them, verse 7, why did Moses then command to give a written of divorcement and then put her away? 
And he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered or allowed you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And Jesus said, I say unto you, whosoever shall put his wife away, except it be for fornication, slash, that's adultery. And shall marry another, commit adultery. And whosoever married her, to put her away, commit adultery. So Jesus said, I'm going to give you a way out because of, the, because of the hardness of your heart. In other words, you, you kept doing it even when Moses told you not to do it, did you kept doing it anyway. And Jesus saw in their heart that they was going to keep doing it anyhow. But they can't, not for any reason, he said. Not for any reason. Because back then in the, under the law, they were if the wife burnt the toast, they they they, they had a they write a certificate of the boys and they can leave. If you gain weight, there's a reason to leave. All kind of superficial, just just any kind of reason. That's why I said, is it okay to leave for any kind of reason at all? He said, No, the only way I'm gonna get you out of this is gonna be unrepentant sexual out of outside of marriage lifestyle fornication, adultery. That'll give you a cause. Now God said that, that I'm not I'm not giving I'm not commanding you. And that's what they lied and said Moses did. They said, why did Moses command them? Moses never commanded them. He allowed them. He permitted them. It's just like when you give your child when they want to go out to the movies and they want to stay till eight o'clock and you want them to be back at seven. And you give in and you give them permission. You didn't agree with it. You just allowed it. Because you didn't want to do it. But you let them, but you gave them permission. And that's what Moses did. He permitted them. He gave them permit, permission out of the hardness of their heart. And so, yeah, but in Matthew in, in, in Mark, you, you don't see that. You don't see that except for fornication. And it's not in there. So there you go. I, I learned in a class that some I can't remember the exact terminology, but we changed with the times. So is there? I'm not going to say an out or a stepping stone for domestic violence when it comes to that, when it relates to the woman or man for that matter, because there are there are um, women who do domestic violence too. So. And I think we had a discussion in a class where, you know, people would not want their, that God wouldn't want their child in any danger. So that would be a reasonable reason to leave a union because they felt it was not, not worth, not worth it, but it was dangerous for them to be in a, a dangerous relationship because it wasn't getting any better. Well, let me let me begin by saying, yeah, with this we, we are living in a in a different culture. And when Jesus made these statements, that, we, that was he was he was talking under the law. There was a different dispensation. That was the law at that time. But we're under grace now. There's a there's a different set of rules. There's a different policies. Amen. There's there's different laws in place now, and you, you you're not forced to stay in a toxic relationship. You're not you don't you're not bound 
by abuse. So God, God gives you common sense. Would, would, would you, would, would, would God? Come on now, you would, you would. God would not treat His children with abuse. So why would He allow someone to abuse His child, which is a woman or a man? No. No, there, there's something, there's something about long suffering. The Scriptures talks about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that love or charity, charity is, is, is kind. It's, and it says also, it says charity is long-suffering. And I've done a show one day. I, I did a, I did a talk show one day, and, it, and, and the title was, How Long is Long Enough? Or How Long is Too Long? I mean, long suffering it means patient. But you, God, give you common sense to know if somebody mis abusing you and mistreating you, ain't nothing love lovely about that. That's not love. Get out. Get your kids. Get away. Go get some shelter. Get some help. And if that person. Want to, if you want to try to reconcile and get some counseling, get some advice, if that person you see that person changing their ways and trying to go through some, uh, to some, uh, some taking some steps to change and and to get their life together, then you can think about consider getting back together. But there's there's no way to I'm gonna tell anybody. To stay there until stay there until you die. Just stay there until you get this 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 to just take your life from you. No. You're supposed to be treated with respect. You're supposed to be excited. You're supposed to feel loved in your marriage. Sometimes you just marry the wrong person. I gotta admit that. I've counseled couples who it was it they just married the wrong person. They got married for the wrong reason. And they they had my blessing. You need to find you somebody that's gonna treat you right and that's gonna love you and not abuse you. So to get this straight for the audience to make sure that yeah, I'm just gonna recap. If you date get to know your bride or your your husband or fiance husband get premarital counseling and keep God as third that third cord or in your business then your marriage can't fail is, is that what you're saying that's what I'm saying keep him Christ centered keep him keep him right in the center of your relationship of your marriage yeah, me and my wife, who actually joined us here, um, we dated for three years before we even held hands. So, Amen. It's, it's something about dating. You get to know a person. You get you get to know them. You see things. You see what they, but you see their patterns. You see the things that they like, things that excite them, and you see some habits. You you you'll see it. You a lot of a lot of times, mostly women. They see the red flags, but they overlook them. 
you know, we, we both used to be out in the world and found Christ when we needed to. But you know they say, you don't know somebody until you live with them. And we know that's not the Christ way. So, what would you say to the world who seems to think that? That, that's, that they should live with them before they get married? Right, that the old saying goes that you don't know somebody until you live with them. And you, of course, if you do it the the Christian way, the the godly way, you don't live together until you get married. So, pretty much, they're trying to go against God's word, which ain't right anyway. But I'm just saying that's what the world says, not not the Christ, not the body of Christ. Well, I mean, technically, you can live with somebody without having without fornicating. I mean, that's that's not against the law. That's not against God T- to live with somebody. And not be married to him. It's the, it's the, it's the sex outside of marriage was the, which is the problem with God. All right. So living with somebody, even though it'll be hard, it'll be tough to not have sexual relationship, but. I'd you know, go, I'd go as far as to say virtually almost impossible, but maybe well, come can do it. But, but I tell you what, me and my wife dated for five years, and she told me the man that I make have sexual relationships with is gonna marry me, and we, and we went for years. Yeah, and she was right. Did nothing happen? And we were together. We got to know each other, even though we didn't live together. We got to know each other. We spent time. I mean, the, the time we went to home sleep, we were to get outside together. You know, we go home in separate separate homes, parents' house, go to bed. But then after we wake up, it's like we we get out of school, we back together all day. You get to know you can get to know a person real good without necessarily living with them. I I gotta admit that I gotta agree with them because I, I I experienced it. Amen. All right. All right. Well, we'd like to thank Dr. Lehman Newtall from Thy World Worship Center located in Plymouth, Minnesota, for his time, his great message and teaching. And, uh, I mean, I guess you can close this out in prayer and we'll be done for this third Wednesday of this month. All right. All right. Let's stay together. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this, this word. I thank you for this platform. I thank you for those that are listening, those those that are edified. Thank you for your word that is already anointed. Don't need any help. I thank you, Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us. You never leave let us. You never let us without a way of, of escape. And you've given us the keys. You've given us the tools. You've given us the help that we need to have a successful relationship with you and our spouses. So thank you for those that are listening. I bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.